let's think back a few months ago and where China was in terms of their zero COVID policy, very, very weak economic activity coming out of that country, which is obviously a significant part of the overall emerging market basket. We saw recently China reported 3% GDP growth in 2022, which was by far their weakest growth in a number of years. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. After a strong run, the U.S. dollar rally is fading fast as emerging markets and gold stage respective comebacks after slumping through 2022. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris McKinney, Alfred Lee, and your host Mackenzie Box discuss how investors can hedge currency positions to take advantage of these shifts. They also dive into Canadian inflation data, hedging strategies to consider amid a rebound in international and emerging markets led by China's move to open its economy back up, and the question of how best to play gold's rise through direct exposure or mining stocks is explored. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and approved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETF's weekly insights podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in, provide your comments and questions. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at BMO Global Asset Management. And I'm joined today by Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. And I think this is your guys' first podcast for 2023. So thanks for joining. Happy to be here. All right, so let's get started. Yesterday, we saw the Canadian uh, CPI print come in, uh, which came in at 6.3%, which was slightly below expectations. This is the last piece of inflation data before the next Bank of Canada meeting, which is on January 25th. How will this data point feed into their decision? And also, how will that impact the U.S. and Canadian dollar as investors decide whether to hedge or to not hedge? Alfred, we'll pass this one to you. Sure. So as we head into the new year, obviously, you know, inflation is still very uh, top of mind at the moment. But overall, you know, when you look at the inflation print that came out of Canada yesterday, came in ahead of expectations, as you mentioned. Um, I think a lot of people, or at least some people, were fixated on the core CPI number, which was a little bit resilient. Um, But overall, when you look at the headline number, I think it's trending in the right direction. So when you look at CPI uh, year over year, when you look at Canada over the last four months, Four months ago, it was it was it came in at seven percent, and in the last three months, came in around that six point eight percent level. So, the print that we got yesterday was a trend in the right direction. I think it it shows that we are heading in the right direction. Uh, when looking at the overnight interest rate or overnight index swap market, it's pricing in for the next meeting that there's a little bit greater than a fifty percent chance that we're going to get a twenty five basis point rate hike at that January meeting. Um, I think the likelihood is that we probably will get that 25 basis point rate hike. And then the Bank of Canada is probably going to take a pause and then reassess the situation at that point. Overall, in terms of inflation, just looking at a lot of the inflationary data out there, you know, as I mentioned, I think it's trending in the right direction. I don't think the Bank of Canada is necessarily out of the woods yet. But I think, you know, when you're looking at 
a lot of the anecdotal kind of evidence out there, uh, there are clear signs that inflation is starting to recede at this point, especially on the good side. You know, obviously, energy and food inflation, that's going to be resilient, uh, given what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. But the combination of supply side healing and tighter monetary conditions, I, I think, is doing a very effective job over the last couple of months. On the service side, you know, obviously, housing data is skewing that inflation upwards. So when you look at housing market data, for example, when you look at, you know, housing out there across the country, um, you see a lot of listings just, you know, sitting there and then being relisted at a lower price. I think that's more of a leading indicator of housing costs. So eventually, you know, that's going to feed into the mortgage data, which eventually will show inflation on the service side start to abate a little bit. But when it comes to raising interest rates, I think, you know, you've, if, you know, a year ago when, when the Bank of Canada and the Fed started raising interest rates, you know, keep in mind the Bank of Canada was out of the gates first. Uh, but I'd say over the last couple of months, it's probably the Fed that has been a little bit more effective in terms of taming inflation, especially over the last couple of months. So overall, in terms of the fight against inflation, I think the Fed is probably the furthest ahead when you look at all central banks around the world. Uh, the Bank of Canada is probably a second, uh, at, you know, in second at this point. So even though you know, the futures are pricing in one more rate hike by both the Fed and the Bank of Canada. Um, if I had to guess, you know, which bank would likely have to prolong their hiking, it would probably be the Bank of Canada at this point. So that means, you know, if there is going to be an in interest rate differential, which is going to drive currency, it's likely going to increase in the favor of uh, Canadian or Canada. Um, so I think, you know, when you look at the U.S. dollar versus the Canadian dollar, it's trading at about you know dollar thirty four right now, which tends to be in the you know the higher historical range. But you know that would mean that we would favor hedging your currency, uh, just because you know again, if any currency were to strengthen uh, between the U.S. dollar and Canadian dollar, it's probably uh, the Canadian dollar, especially with the strength of the energy uh, sector right now as well. Um, so overall, you know, I think uh, if you look at the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, when you're looking at it versus the Canadian dollar, it does kind of hide softness that we've been seeing in the U.S. dollar. But when you look at the U.S. dollar index, for example, which compares the U.S. dollar versus six other trade weighted currencies, it does show the weakness of the U.S. dollar over the last couple of months. So overall, you know, if it came to hedging, uh, when it comes to getting exposure to, you know, U.S. equities, for example, I would probably favor, you know, hedging that currency exposure at this point. And even if we, even if we get, you know, both central banks pause on interest rate hikes at the, after the next meeting, the likelihood is that we're probably going to get a lot, lot of noise from currency overall. So hedging that currency exposure um, is going to be a good idea, I think, in 2023. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Save the date. The BMO ETF's Virtual Economic Forum is coming to you on February the 8th. Join industry-leading experts as they share their rapid-fire perspectives and insights for the year ahead in a can't-miss 90-minute event. Register now at bmoetfs.ca. Next, we're going to pass it to you, Chris. Uh, we've seen a significant uptrend in both international markets and emerging markets. And this is kind of a two-pronged question for you. So what's behind the recent advance in international markets? And what's your thought on hedged or unhedged? And then the second part of the question for emerging markets, is this related to the China reopening? Or is, this, or is there more than just China? Thanks. 
Sure. And as you say, you know, there certainly has been a nice rebound in both international and emerging market equities, uh, particularly in Q4, um, you know, after we saw the the latest sell-off kind of heading into the end of September and uh, into the, the early parts of October, um, certainly a nice bounce for both international and emerging markets through Q4 and, and the early parts here of 2023. Um, in terms of, you know, what's driving that, we'll start with the international markets, the first part of the question you had there. Um, you know, if we actually back up a couple of years and take a look at performance coming out of the COVID-related sell-off, you know, international markets didn't really rebound in the same way that U.S. equities did and even to the extent that Canadian equities did. And so the valuations in that part of the, uh, the global markets, you know, they didn't really get overextended to the same degree that we saw in the U.S. and, and to some degree in Canada as well. And so just that valuation advantage, um, we have seen help, I think, the international equities come off the bottom again, as I said, in, in, in Q4. Um, you know, when investors are looking for places to deploy their capital, at that point, certainly international markets on the valuation perspective, um, you know, certainly a little bit more attractive than, than here in North America. Something else, though, I think um, happening is that sentiment really has started to change around the economy in general uh, in Europe. If you if we go back a few months, um, you know, the discussion was all around the price of energy um, in Europe and what's going to happen through a cold winter and the energy costs. There was um, expectations of a potentially significant economic slowdown simply because consumers wouldn't have any money left um, to spend after they paid for those, those heating bills. Now, fast forward a couple of months here, and this tough winter that we were expecting just so far at least hasn't materialized. We've had milder weather uh, than expected, but also the cost um, constraints on those energy prices have come down significantly. You know, Netherlands natural gas was the contract that everyone was looking at for a few months, and that spiked up to over $300 and has come back since to about $60, $50 or $60. And so you've seen significant relief uh, in terms of being able to manage uh, the inventory of, of uh, energy supplies. And then again, also, you know, the weather somewhat cooperating in that um, the demand hasn't been there as well. So sentiment somewhat changing um, in the international markets and the, and the thought that, you know, uh, Europe will be able to weather the storm, so to speak, this winter. Um, and if we already look forward to to next winter, um, you know, they're getting their their ducks in a row, so to speak, in terms of um, getting that energy supply online without having to rely on Russian oil and gas. Now, in terms of hedging or maintaining an unhedged currency exposure in the international markets, uh, we've really seen a nice bounce off the bottom in some of these major international currencies. And I'm thinking in particular of the euro, the pound and the yen. Um, you know, each of these currencies very, very weak against uh, the U.S. dollar and Canadian dollar later in 2022. And so we've seen a little bit of a bounce off of those lows, but certainly still a long way to make up um, where those currencies came from. You know, we heard from Alfred a little bit earlier that there's some expectation both uh, the Bank of Canada and uh, the Federal Reserve will either, you know, at least slow their uh, interest rate hiking cycle or take a pause in the near future. Um, and all of these other central banks are somewhat behind that. So in particular, the ECB and Bank of England, we can expect to continue hiking um, throughout the early parts of 2023. And so that interest rate differential uh, advantage is going to start to disappear a little bit. 
And so, you know, some of those factors that are weighing into what we were talking about with a weaker U.S. dollar um, favors those international currencies. And so there's some element um, of maintaining that unhedged currency exposure that should give you a, a little bit of a lift uh, throughout 2023. Now, the risk to that uh, is that the Bank of Canada in particular, um, you know, as Alfred said, may be prolonged in their hiking cycle if they can't get inflation under control. And so we may see interest rates continue uh, to increase here in Canada. And the other element that would support a strong Canadian dollar is strong energy markets in general and energy and oil prices. That tends to uh, benefit the Canadian dollar as well. So while we think international currencies can do uh, well overall, they might just do a little less well relative to the Canadian dollar than they do versus the U.S. dollar. So largely, I would say, you know, maintaining that unhedged exposure for Canadian investors makes sense. However, there's probably not too much farther to go before you want to start maybe hedging at least a little piece of that. Um, so stay tuned throughout 2023 for that. Now, for the second part of your question, going into the emerging markets, um, again, we've seen a lift there in Q4 and, and to start 2023. Is this related um, to the China reopening? I would say largely yes. Um, you know, again, let's think back a few months ago and, and where China was in terms of their zero COVID policy. Very, very weak economic activity coming out of that country, which is a, a, obviously a significant part of the overall emerging market basket. We saw recently China reported 3%. GDP growth in 2022, which was by far their weakest growth um, in, in a number of years. Now, if we think going forward, that number is going to increase, you know, that's actually a really strong GDP growth number. And so where's the global growth going to come from? Uh, certainly, is, it is expected that China is going to make up a big part of that, at least for 2023. Now, of course, risks to this is um, how COVID continues to spread throughout the country through that public health sort of um, lens that we've uh, been looking at for uh, the last couple of years through developed markets, that's what we're going to have to be watching uh, in China as well. So there are some headwinds to that economic activity picking up, um, but certainly I think um, 2023 is going to look a lot better than, than 2022. And then I would just say the last part uh, of emerging markets that's been benefiting um, is the, the U.S. dollar starting to weaken uh, relative to global currencies. You know, most emerging markets uh, borrow in U.S. dollars. So when uh, countries issue debt, emerging market countries issue debt, um, they do it in U.S. dollars. And so as that currency uh, increases in value and then interest rates go up there as well, that debt burden really exacerbates for emerging market economies. And so as we've seen um, pressure come off of that strong U.S. dollar, we've seen that start to weaken that's actually turning around those fortunes of those emerging market economies um, that rely on that U.S. dollar issued debt. And so they're getting themselves into a little bit better uh, fiscal position. So, you know, that combined with that China reopening uh, story really is what's driving the emerging markets right now. Great. Thanks, Chris. I do hope that 2023 looks better than 2022. Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely, client-friendly episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing, with a focus on exchange-traded funds. Available now at bmoetfs.ca, that's bmoetfs.ca, or on your favorite podcast platform.
Alfred, we'll pass the next one to you. Uh, gold is starting to look interesting and making some momentum in the recent months. And I know we've seen a few headlines about this as well. What has been driving the prices higher? And can you outline when gold equities may outperform bullion? Sure. Um, so yeah, you know, when you look at gold right now, I think gold is uh, quietly mounting quite the rally that we've been seeing over the last couple of months. Um, so gold bullion, just looking at it right now, it's up about 17% in U.S. dollar terms since the beginning of November. So um, starting to make the, a lot of the headlines now. But, you know, a little bit counterintuitive to a lot of people, given that inflation is on the downtrend. So a lot of people have been asking, you know, why gold has been outperforming when inflation is going down. Um, but, you know, keep in mind when you buy gold, um, gold is used as a hedge against a number of different things, inflation being one of them, but a weaker U.S. dollar also being another. Uh, geopolitical and macroeconomic risk also being another reason why you buy gold as well. Um, but last year, you know, the reason why gold faced a lot of headwinds was really the strength of the U.S. dollar. So right now, you know, as we've been saying with, you know, the Fed and the Bank of Canada expected to pause on interest rate hikes, um, you know, the U.S. dollar has been weakening, um, which has been favorable for gold. So as I mentioned before, you know, as a Canadian investor, when you look at, you know, U.S. dollar versus the Canadian dollar, you know, last year, both currencies were strengthening, but now it seems like, you know, both of those currencies have been fading against, you know, international currencies. So, you know, looking at that U.S. dollar index, which I referenced earlier, I think is, you know, a better illustration in terms of, you know, how you could see the U.S. dollar weakness right now. Um, because when you stack it up against other foreign currencies, it does show you that the U.S. dollar has been fading over the last couple of months, which I think is a, is a positive for gold. Um, in terms of your question, in terms of, you know, when to buy gold bullion versus gold stocks, uh, there definitely is a difference between the behavior of gold bullion and gold stocks. Uh, so typically, you know, gold bullion um, has a lower cor lower correlation to equities. So, you know, when it comes to building a portfolio and, you know, putting together those building blocks for a portfolio, you, you could definitely make the argument that, you know, bullion, you know, serves a better purpose. Uh, but overall, you know, when the equity markets are behaving in an orderly fashion, which, you know, I definitely hope uh, 2023, the equity markets are going to stabilize, which we are getting, um, you know, a pretty good start to 2023. In a market like that, um, especially when the Fed is expected to, you know, stop its monetary tightening, or at least, you know, slow down its monetary tightening, that should be good for the equity market. So in a market like that, you could definitely see gold equities outpace gold bullion. Um, because you are getting that operational leverage from the companies. Um, so, you know, in ways when you look at gold companies versus gold bullion, you are getting that higher beta to gold prices as well. Um, also, when you look at the shape of the futures curve and the gold contracts right now, um, it's upward sloping or what we call contango. So generally in a market like that, when gold futures are upward sloping, that tends to be good for gold companies as well, because, you know, think of it, as if you are a gold mining company, you're basically pulling gold out of the, you know, out of the ground at spot prices and then selling them in the future at a higher price. So an upward sloping futures curve uh, does tend to be good for gold companies. So overall, I think, you know, when you are looking at investing in gold or gold relating, you know, mining companies, um, ETFs are a good way to getting exposure into gold companies. Because one, I think when you look at, you know, gold and mining companies in general, they tend to operate in a lot of jurisdictions that are, you know, politically unstable. On top of that, you know, a lot of, you know, because you are dealing with mining and whatnot, you could have a lot of operational risks as well. 
Um, so when you invest in an ETF, it does allow investors to diversify away from that a lot of that you know company specific risk. Uh, we do have two gold related equity uh, ETFs, so ZGD, which is our equal weight global gold index ETF, that focuses more on larger cap companies. And then we also have our BMO Junior Gold Index ETF, which is ZJG, that focuses more on the smaller cap companies. So um, overall, you know, I think if investors are interested in you know, investing in gold companies, you know, ETFs are a good way to do it. The way to differentiate between um, smaller cap and larger cap companies is think about it as you know, smaller cap companies is getting you know, even more operational leverage off of gold uh, compared to the larger cap companies. So overall, um, you know, as I mentioned, I think gold is a, is a very interesting one for 2023, especially if the U.S. dollar continues to fade. Great. Thanks for that insight, Alfred. So those are all the questions that we have today. I just want to thank everyone for listening in and a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for providing some great insights. So thanks everyone for joining. Have a great day and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Equal Weight Global Gold Index ETF, ticker ZGD, which gives investors exposure to international gold equities. Our experts also discussed the BMO Junior Gold Index ETF, ticker ZJG, which invests in North American junior miners and is designed for investors seeking high growth returns. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.